0: Hello and welcome to 90 episode, a fucking, well, that was the worst ever start to an episode, wasn't it? Welcome to 90 episode, people think what most, talking like Yoda this week. Um, I This is the show, this is the show that tries to get to the heart of what Britain, what is Britain thinking today on any given subject? It comes from, I am of a centre-right persuasion, but opinions could come at you from all sides, like a sort of opinion Bukaki. There you go. I think, I think I started last week's one with a disgusting sectional analogy, and uh, I've started this week's one too. Uh, quick timestamp, I'm recording this on Tuesday at about 5pm. Obviously, we're a couple of days after the big game, and uh, by that, I obviously mean the women's T20. Uh, <laughs> Look, I I, like, I love cricket, but you know what big game I'm referring to, so there is stuff to discuss here, and we'll be getting on to that, and oh, it's difficult. I, some people have said to me, why aren't you tweeting this week, Jeff? Why aren't you on social media? And I think I'm long enough in the tooth to work out when social media has gone a bit fucking mental. You know what I mean? Like the discussion, not just social media, but the news cycle, it was all a bit emotional, wasn't it, Sunday night with the football, and then obviously there was the the, the racist online abuse, and then... A reaction to that where you just think, you know what, I'd rather talk to you. You know what I mean? Let's just, let's just talk. This is a much more human way of doing it. Uh, and Twitter is uh, is not, frankly. Um, I hope that you're over the result if you're an England fan. And if uh, if you're a Scotland fan, I hope you've uh, recovered from the celebrations. Um, I wonder how it felt, actually, as a Scotland fan. Because it was a different England side to previous years. You know, there's a, lo- a lot of sense that this England team were progressive and maybe... Represented a political ideology that's perhaps more popular north of the border. I, I, I don't know, but it must have felt like if you was jumping around when Sacco missed. Come on, man! You must have felt like, are we the baddies here? This young nineteen-year-old lad. But uh, look, if, if you got some joy out of that, fair enough. That, that's the old rivalry, isn't it? And we are—we're we're halfway through the summer. There's still stuff to look forward to. Don't get—don't get too down. You know, we've still got the Olympics in stadiums with no one in and you know the fencing I think the fencing will be every bit of as absorbing you know we're pretty good at rowing oh if you're if you like seeing blokes row in a direction that's I mean the Olympics is <laughs> always good for that always loved a bit where the commentators have clearly been co-opted for a sport that they d- I mean like who knows fucking anything about rowing and what is there really to say than this bloke, this this boat's going faster than that boat. Oh, and that boat is going a bit faster now, but the one that from before is still leading. And this guy, he went to Oxford. That's basically it, isn't it? Uh, so we will be talking uh, all aspects uh, of the football shortly. Uh, we'll be talking about the fans on and off the pitch, the racial abuse, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll be talking about the pot of gold, you know, COVID pot of gold, which is Freedom Day, that suddenly as we get closer to it, there's a few kind of caveats that the government are putting on it. You know, when they said this is irreversible, it turns out that the irreversibility is reversible. Surprise, surprise. I mean, that was never a claim that could have blown up in the government's face. But before we get on uh, into that, let's uh, have a look at the cuss count from David Demain, our faithful Uh, compiler of stats and he says um your swears for the episode were oh my god this is so low only six i'm gonna read them all out because they're so low i mean this is still swearing the same amount of time there were six fucks one fucking one r swipe one shit one rc i mean like it was such a lean week that we've had to call rc a swear and one shitty and that that translates as 0.16 a minute swears a minute and then david quite pointedly says there was one innuendo like rightly you know you're right you're right to be angry mr domain i don't know what's happening i don't know what's happening to the show maybe i'm uh maybe i've got a younger listenership and i'm just no I, i i probably have one of the the older listenerships in podcast world ain't that right gammon's tuning in living that gammon life i see i think about gammon's is i sort of think like you know the inference is is that gammon has to be a bad thing. Whereas if you if you presume well about people, like let's just say it's a lifestyle. You know, bit gammon. Yeah, I like a fry up. Yeah, I, I quite like stock car racing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I quite like getting angry about things on the news. You know, it's just it's just a lifestyle. That's just my culture, man. That's my identity. And speaking of identities, we have new patrons. We have somebody called Sprog, just Sprog. That is that's weird because normally we we think that kind of anonymous one namers are working in. Uh, particularly right on institutions, but Sprog there. I mean, Sprog is could be well, it could be anything, didn't it? It's, uh, Sprog, wasn't that the the dog in Fraggle Rock? Do you remember Fraggle Rock? Hey, eh? let's do nostalgia. Do you remember Fraggle Rock? Catch your cares away, Murray's for another day. Let the music play down at Fraggle Rock. I mean, it was another one of those weird sing along, everybody. It was another one of those weird shows that only had one woman in. And, like, as you get older, you think, fucking, that is... I mean, if they're procreating, I don't even want to think about what's happening down at Fraggle Rock. <laughs> and do you remember they had the Doozers? Do you remember the Doozers? They were just, like, bred to be kind of construction workers. I don't know. I think I would think now that if Fraggle Rock got made now, you would have to be very careful about what accents the Doozers had. <laughs> uh, we had Sean Smith. Sean Smith sounds like he was uh, in a 90s Britpop band, like Shed 7. Sean Smith on bass. Lucy Beattie. That's a good name, Lucy. I think i I think just all the Lucy's I've known. It's a nice name, isn't it? Oh, isn't Lucy not- Oh Lucy. Don't even talk to me about Lucy. Lucy is the best. Lucy Beattie. Uh, Warren Davis. Warren Davis, who just sounds like uh sounds like an old actor, doesn't he? Like one of those really crabby old bastards that used to be on Parkinson, who'd we'll get the arsehole. Warren Davis and uh Gavin Griff. Gavin Griff, that is another. Surely you were... From the super furry animals with a name like that. Uh, so before we crack into the subjects, just a quick thank you and a fuck you. Just a heads up, this show this show is probably gonna come out shorter this week, but it's just because I wanted uh to get it out while I, <laughs> I wanted to get it out while some of the subjects were, were live. But uh, uh thank you and a fuck you. Thank you to I did previews for the tour. So let me tell you, I mean obviously I've been pushing the tour, but there's been two causes of slight hesitation about pushing it too much is one is that the government hadn't committed to Freedom Day, now they have. You know They're gonna go ahead these shows. Look, between you and me, my videos aren't big enough that they wouldn't go ahead. Even if they downscaled it now, we're gonna be fine because my relative lack of success <laughs> of not being a household name. But I did a, a, and also the show, the show, we got a show, we got some fun stuff here. I think when I started writing this, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be a bit more conciliatory and I'm, you know, I'm not going to get angry. And it turns out it's not an angry show, but I'm definitely on the front foot in this. And some people were moaning about this tour preview in Carl And Why didn't you advertise, Jeff? Would well, a venue put it on sale and then immediately... Uh, Freedom Day was not back, and then they had to make it smaller, so it sold out very quickly. And it was just nice to be around grown ups again. It was nice to be back in South London on my old stomping ground. Uh, It's the only place ever that saying that you lived in Mitcham will get a cheer. I mean, people in Mitcham don't even cheer that. I think it was an ironic cheer. And then the following day, I did a show at the Cambridge Comedy Festival. And that is, I mean, that is a middle-class festival, if ever I've seen one, right? Because I got there, and they said, oh, there's a swimming pool on site. And I don't know about you, but if I'm thinking swimming pool, I want to see blue water, I want chlorine, maybe a bar, buy it. But no, what they meant was a swimming pool was in what you'd have called a swimming pool in like 1640. Uh, it, was a, it was a pond. and there, But there were people swimming there now, because if I don't know if you know this... Middle-class people, and in particular middle-class women, are banging to the wild swimming, or as they call it, cold water swimming, because it just sounds cool, wild swimming. Wild swimming sounds cool as well. Uh, and, and I think we all know the reason is because I said in my last tour show, oh, by the way, patrons should have mentioned earlier, uh, the tour show is is streaming now. So if you're a patron, you can watch the whole show of Taking Liberties, okay? That is to every level. All you got to do is join up, you can watch it. Or listen, I'd love you to stay around for future content. There's going to be a Patreon-only episode in a couple of weeks. But you don't have to. You can just join up, watch it, and cancel it. And go, yeah, fuck off. Yeah, just yeah, just watch it and go. You wham, bam, thank you, Patreon mams. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I opened the show by saying, so, yeah, middle-class people, I said this in the last tour, was that essentially they're, they're incredibly self-flagellating, aren't they? They don't really give themselves a break. If, if they enjoy something, they immediately think that they should quit it, whether that be caffeine, meat... Or drugs, whatever. They've just, you know, it's just, it just doesn't feel right. You know, just some of them, someone must be suffering. Yeah, maybe they are. But just, you've got to keep some stuff you enjoy. And, and I think the thing is, wild swimming is they've sort of formed, they've found something that makes them feel alive. And they don't think that anybody is being harmed. You know, that is the extent that they've gone to. That The only way that they can enjoy themselves is by dicking around with some lilies and some frog spawn. <laughs> you yeah, know, this is pure pleasure that it's being... No one's being hurt here, but then what they'll probably find out is that, um, like, the suntan lotion or stuff on their bodies is like killing ducklings or something, and then they'll have to try and find a socially conscious way of swimming, wh- which would be a swimming pool, but then the chlorine hurts the birds or whatever. There's always a victim. Uh, fuck you. Uh, is I had my second jab this morning, and um, I'm not going to be putting it online. I don't need credit for this. I don't need likes. I'm doing it because, you know, I want to work, and I can see which way the wind is blowing, and also, you know, at some point your family will think that because you're right-wing that you're going to be an anti-vaxxer. Has anybody else had this, by the way? If you're a bloke, a middle-aged, and you get a bit angry about stuff, and you voted Brexit, and you're a bit right-wing, did all your family just presume that you're going to be an anti-vaxxer? I think I certainly had a bit of that going on, but I had the second jab, uh, it's so it's so fucking jolly, isn't it? It's so jolly. You go in there, there's music on, and, you know, there's a lot of volunteers, and Fair play to them. They're doing something good with their time, but everyone's trying to keep it up. <laughs> moving. We're practically doing the conga into the room. And like, hey, you know, like the two women, the lovely women that saw me, they were like a double act, hitting me with zingers and one-liners. And I was, you know, it was 8.40 in the morning. I wasn't really ready for it, but I appreciated their positivity and then of course when you leave there there's a little there's a little anteroom, isn't there where they sort of say you just gotta sit there for 15 minutes oh there's nothing wrong with a the vaccine there's no side effects but uh you know if your head does swell up like you know the in that film scanners and just burst scanners jeff there's a a 90s kind of horror genre one there remember remember renting that from the off license can we just stop and talk for a second here about renting videos from the off license i mean Eventually, Blockbuster Video came along, and all our lives got better, as I mentioned in the book. Which, if you haven't bought yet or downloaded, then we're not really fucking friends. um But, but Blockbuster Video. But before that, there was a strange period where, yeah, off licenses were the purveyors of videos. I don't really understand it. And you had to, you had to literally bribe the geezer. Like when Rocky Four was coming out. I was like, months before that, I was like, please let me be the first person to see Rocky Four. I need to see capitalism triumph over communism, even though I'm only nine. And then anyway, so the bloke was sitting there and he, uh, you go in there and they say to you, okay, your exit time is eight, you know, what was it, 9.03 or something? And I just thought, no, it's not it's whenever the fuck I think it is, you know? <laughs> Did anybody else get this? I felt really chippy. I was like, no, no one tells me when to go. However, 40 minutes, I'm st- late, I'm still sitting there, so evidently I don't have the courage of my convictions, and I just saw, he came over to me to tell me I could go, and in a moment of absolute pathetic pettiness, I just got, I went, I'm going now. <laughs> God, I'm such an edge lord, am I? Yeah, well, I went one minute before my allotted time, so deal with that get on with the first subject today which is the euro 2020 slash 21 final slash last days of rome i'm gonna go straight in with what most people think here because i think that the cat the views of the majority of this nation have been characterized and represented in a certain way that i'm not sure is really accurate right so we lost the game. We lost the game on penalties. It was really disappointing. I mean, Italy were the better team. In a way, that makes it easier. Like in, in Euro 96, I thought we were better than the Germans. In France 98, I thought we had a really good team. We were better than Argentina. I mean, the sad thing is I could tell you lots of stories sometimes. But most of the penalty shootouts recently have just been we'd never really played to win. And I think I think we were slightly set up wrong by Southgate. But I think most people were deeply Felt sad for the lads that missed, especially Sacco, right? Had questions about Southgate, but thought, you know what? He got us to a final and overall enjoyed the experience of supporting this team. You know, beating the Germans in the second round, you know, comfortable win over Ukraine, a dramatic win over, not a fantastic Denmark side, but we won a semi-final, right? And I think in time, when we look at the montages, <laughs> that's what it's all about, really. And we're just, we're just banking we're just banking footage for the montage. That's all we care about. Is in the you know next tournament when they you know when they do a little thing with Ness and Dorm or whatever. We have got some new footage. That's all we really need. And then of course there was the racist abuse. Now we don't know the extent of it. That's one of the strange things. And one of the reasons I haven't been on Twitter is that it's very difficult to have a nuanced discussion. But obviously I'm disgusted. I mean, if anyone just thinks, if anyone thinks, oh look these young black players have been unfortunate enough to miss penalties. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and uh, racially abuse them. And I think you're a fucking, I think you're a sad person. And I just think you're, more than anything, I think you're probably like a bigger issue that affects everything about you is that you're weak. You know, like you don't know how to deal with your disappointment. So you think, well, I'll throw something out. I can make this pain go away by racially abusing a 19-year-old. But... But what we don't know is the, the extent of it, and I'm sure there was plenty of examples. But when you're trying to, I guess, get a view of society, like how bad is this, you know, sometimes you do need numbers. But yet, you know, if, if I'd have asked, you know, if anyone had asked that question, it would have been portrayed as, what, you're saying racism doesn't exist? And you're like, no, I'm just, just trying to work out how wide widespread this is. What is the scale of the problem um, that we're dealing with, you know? And then there's, there's a discussion about the, you know, if we can find out who these people are, should we ban them for life? And instinctively, like in the, in the aftermath of it, you go, yeah, fuck them. You know what I mean? Like what, what nasty little bastards they are. But then you go, well, but then we're never in a situation where there is no idea of redemption, which in any, in any situation where people do stuff wrong, it is quite important in society that, that there is got to be some route to atonement. And you just a lifetime ban for racism. You know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of traction for that at the moment, but I don't know. I mean, like, it's a weird. It'd be a weird, weird world that you lived in if you could murder somebody and get out. But if you if you sent a racist tweet and you there was no opportunity, you know. And if you are like, you know, deeply anti-racist activist, listen to this. Like, I I get the depth of feeling, but it's a question we got to ask. You know, in the emotion of the aftermath. What I mean, I mean heavy, heavy bans. I'm, I'm bang up for a heavy ban, you know. I'm bang up for a sort of seven year ban. That I think that's okay because I don't think these. This is the thing as well. Is these people aren't football fans. We've known this for a while with the England football team. Is that when when England play in big games, it does attract a sort of wrong and moth to the flame, doesn't it? It's not the first time, and we saw, you know, we saw the footage in and around i don't know about you but i saw the sky build up right uh on, on wembley way and there was a young female presenter and she was like well i'm here at wembley way it's only midday and everybody's in really high spirits i was like this is gonna go tits up yeah no this shouldn't look like this i mean it was packed at midday loads of geezers laughing and joking i thought no nah. i mean it, it should never have stayed as an 8 p.m kickoff should it so you going, oh it's uh it's, it's <laughs> It's England's first final since 1966. I'll tell you what, let's, let, let's give everyone a whole weekend to get on the smash. And then even when we get on the Sunday, uh, let's just give them an, another three hours uh, to call their dealer and do some more shots. And look, I'm very I'm very patriotic about England as a country. I think it's great people here. It's, it's a good place to live. There are problems, but on balance, I think there's every reason to be positive. But equally, you've got to say that when it comes to the England football team... There, there's a problem. You know, there is a problem. And I've been to England games myself. I remember the first one I went to when I was about 14, I went to England versus Ireland. It was like 1991 or 92. And obviously, you know, the Troubles were in a very different place at that time. And uh, yeah, some England fans were just acting awfully. You know, it's really, it's really bad to see it. And, you know, I know a lot of blokes like me who say that this isn't just like lefty people saying this. This isn't like, you know, people in the the the, the sort of media elites that, that want to bash England. The general. And I'm not just talking about the racism here. I'm talking about the general behaviour in and around the ground when England playing big games is not fucking nice. You know. And there was, you know, there was, there was the nasty things with people like running the the barriers and all that. I mean, it's probably not helped by the fact that it seemed that if you were a celebrity, you could just get a ticket, right? Fucking. Tom, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in any way condoning people like breaking into the ground without a ticket. But it's not great when you're suddenly seeing, oh, oh, Tom Cruise is at the game, is he? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, wasn't Mission Impossible was getting a ticket for that prick? Fucking hell, he was at the tennis earlier. There's, you know, just all these people, and and particularly there were personalities that have sort of said, have been very pro-lockdown, very pro-social distancing. So there was an air of hypocrisy, but nothing excuses the behaviour. And then you know, there's the other side too, which is the genuine high spirits, which is stuff that if Scotland fans were doing, no one would have said anything. You know, getting getting your cock out does seem to be a British thing, doesn't it? And in a weird way, it was, it was sort of inspirational, wasn't it? Because it did seem that a lot of the blokes that were getting them out were just, but there wasn't a lot to get out. And I don't, want, I don't want to dick shame, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that I'm absolutely stacked down there. But you did think to yourself, I mean, one bloke. <laughs> looked naturally pixelated didn't he do you know what I mean he just you were looking going why is that being tri- oh no that that is his dick he's got a naturally pixelated dick maybe as a maybe when he swears he he bleeps himself out maybe that's how it, and these, these lads you know and then you had the guy with the flare in his ass which which was not the worst thing in the world you know it's like it was almost like a talisman for the nation where people were thinking jesus this guy wants it you know and and then you know there were the people doing the you know people I don't know if you saw with the cocaine taking whereby there would be a bloke basically and people often said what well, is cocaine an Olympic sport in Britain I think I think it is now because there's quite a lot of blokes who were getting up getting the bag out getting some gear on the key and everyone's going whoa, almost like a, a triple jumper do you know like when they do the triple jumper they go for the clap <laughs> and then. And then up he would go and he'd get a round of applause from everybody. So, well done, lads. You know what I mean. You've excelled yourselves. But if you really want to impress me, take that level of intensity and competition cocaine taking and take it to Qatar, yeah? Do that. Get your cock out. Do the flare up the arse and do some gear in Qatar. Then I'll respect you. What most think. And is it... I mean, you know, there's always this thing when something goes wrong or there's something bad in society. There's a general sense that is it worse than it's ever been? That's the thing. Is society crumbling and going down the shithole and I would argue that some of the behaviour I would say has been exacerbated by the last year and a half if you think every single protest or march has been has been more violent than usual you know if there wasn't like sort of police fans on fire in Bristol do you know what I mean it was police, get, police getting run out of like fucking uh, block parties in Notting Hill like the Keystone Cops so there has been a track record of people going a bit crazy when the context gives them an allowance to, and um, sadly, you know, again, when it comes to the England football team, we go back to 1990, people smashing up German cars, <laughs> uh, 1998, Beckham, after he got himself sent off, they burnt an effigy of him, there was no there was no mural for David, <laughs> can I just say with the Marcus Rashford mural, I think it's good that people, you know, they we club together and show support, there is that issue of, again, like, how much you know, how much does that clubbing together make the problem seem bigger than it is? That's what I'm wondering. And of course, as a white bloke, I can't answer that question. If you're a black person living in Britain and the way this stuff is covered, how, how it must change your perception, right? You go out the door and you're looking around at young white men or whatever and thinking, how many of these guys feel feel like this? And, and that's where I wonder about the extent of it. And so when you get this kind of shrine to Marcus Rashford after somebody vandalised his mural, and then it, you know, gets flowers and all this stuff. It must be weird for him on some level, where he sort of looks at it, and he's like, oh, "Sorry, have I, have I passed away?" Because, I mean, it certainly looks like there's a collection of flowers there you'd normally see like by the side of the road. You know, it's it's always been around. It's always been around. You know, it Happened with Beckham. Um, you know, then there was the penalties, where a lot of penalty shootouts that we missed, where the players who missed were then booed all around the country for the next season or two. And it, yeah, it just comes down to, sadly, a certain kind of man who can't own his own disappointment. There's something deeply unmanly about that. Don't act out on other people. It's like it's like women, right? So you know when women watch football, one of the issues I find with that is that women, you, you, <laughs> all liberal people go, oh, my God, what's he going to say now? They don't know anything about football. No, not saying that at all. I just think that the gasp threshold is very different for women, you know? Whereas when you're a bloke, you're sort of thinking, I watch the game. I'm just gonna keep it down, keep it down. I might have the odd loud swear word, which probably will scare my kid, but it has to come out somewhere. But generally, I'm gonna keep my counsel here. But like <laughs> women, every time there's a corner, <gasps> gasping at everything. Oh my god! You're like, babe, babe, it's, it's kickoff for the second half. Please, can we just, can we just keep our powder dry here? You know, or if you're an England fan, keep your powder in the rain. It's <laughs> but you know it's been an it was an odd journey the whole thing was an odd journey i mean my personal journey with the taking the knee thing was at the start of the tournament i did think you know we'd done it in in domestic football and in international football for a while and i was surprised that they they wished to continue it right but the the team they made an argument i thought gareth southgate wrote an article and and it made sense to me and i thought at the very least right they said look this isn't to do with the marxist movement black lives matter and you think you know well, we've got a tournament coming up Let's take the lads at face value, forget all this stuff for a while and just get behind the team. But equally, at that point, you know people that were booing it, booing the taking of the knee, it, it did feel a little bit different. It changed over the course of the tournament. So the political rhetoric that's occurred since uh, around what Boris Johnson and Pretty Patel have said in the past now looks very different, doesn't it? Because you look at the time they were asked that, they were sort of being you know, invited to declare that every single person that booed was a racist. Now, I've said, you know, in, in the episode of Andrew Doyle, I would, you know, wager that a decent percentage maybe were racist, but you can't say all. Pretty Patel is sort of a, a divisive figure, but then someone kind of tweeted me before I was about to record this and said, should Pretty Patel have to resign? And you think, what, because, because Tyrone Mings has called her out and a lot of people agree with him on social media... He might, he might even have a good point, Tyrone Mings. But I think we'd be in a very strange place in society whereby a home, a home secretary retired because they got ratioed on Twitter. So it leaves us, you know, it leaves us where we treat social media time and time again. There's so many problems in so many ways of doing this. We treat it as the real world. And it certainly has a relationship with the real world. But it's not exact, is it? It's not exact. And I, like I say, I don't know, like, this this campaign to get uh, people to have to give their details, their actual details, when they sign up for social media accounts, I would I would have thought it would be one of those things instinctively once upon a time where I would have said, no, no, we don't want big tech having more information about us. But I don't know, man, when you think about all the rape threats and stuff and, and the racism, and again, you know, you are talking small numbers here, but and yet, why do these pricks get to... Just do this and make people's lives worse. And, you know, the argument, the counter-argument would be that we 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 need to um, have anonymity for certain kinds of journalism, whistleblowers and all that sort of stuff. And you think, yeah, I do get that argument, but I would say that for every Julian Assange, there's, there's quite a lot of pricks as well. And also Julian Assange did get accused of rape, didn't he? Was he acquitted? I don't know. I don't know. And it's hard on social media, isn't it? I saw a black person, you know, they said you know, they had a more optimistic view of society and they said, despite these obvious arseholes, it's worth remembering that, you know, this country is getting better and has been getting better for a while and don't let them, you know, don't let them feel bad about where we live. And of course, guess what? Who took him to task for what he said? Was it other black people? No, it was white people going, look, dude, sorry, but this ain't it. I'm like, fucking hell. If if, if a black person, if you think you're anti-racist, but you can then tell a black person what they should think about the racial atmosphere in britain then i i think you've slightly got the wrong uh, end of the end of the stick so i think look i i enjoyed supporting the england team in this tournament i think that the the fallout has been quite quite ridiculous uh, in in some parts but again i'll go back to what i said at the beginning i am I'm a white guy. My world, where I live, is fairly white. You know, I watch a lot of white people. I'm on WhatsApp groups, loads of white people, all right? And it's not that I only know white people. I just know quite a few. Some of my some of my best friends are white, I'll be honest. And, and I just didn't hear anything other than sympathy for those three lads. Maybe people are a bit annoyed about Rashford's stutter run-up. But that is very much a football thing <laughs> and not a race thing, you know? So just, I think that to keep your pecker up, right? And I'm speaking to the small dick lads as well is that you've just gotta keep hold of the idea that at any given time, this you know, most people, the over not just most people, the overwhelming majority of people in this country are decent and good. And and let's not let's not let these pricks spoil what was a really good experience Uh, supporting that team and i know there'll be people you know people who normally agree with me that might take issue with some of the stuff that i've said so do write back to me what most people think uk at gmail.com maybe to balance things out things out you could give me some racist abuse for being a white guy that's how it works right is it Okay, so ran over as they say, but um, we've got a couple of new, more patrons to say hello to. Steve Calder, Steve Calder, you just sound like a centre back from the nineties. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, like Liam Daish or someone like that. Play maybe you played for Coventry. Brian Kilcline, remember that? Let's do nineties football bingo. Uh, Daniel Hobson, who blatantly sounds like a teacher. That is a, a newly qualified geography teacher, Mr Hobson. Got no respect at the moment. Too young, came straight out of university, became a teacher. He's only like four years older than his A level students. Mr. Hobson's a mug, mate. Mr. Hobson's a mug. Is that who you are, Daniel Hobson? But welcome to the Patreon community. And we've got Mr. D here. Mr. D, now that could be that you're trying to disguise your true identity. Or you might just be, well, you might be in a very different dick situation to some of the lads that we saw. I mean, just, sorry, harking back to those guys with the dicks. I mean, if if you wanted to show yourself in your best light, I would argue that being pumped up on adrenaline, cocaine, and out in the cold, or certainly with wind about yourself, isn't necessarily the best account of yourself that you're going to give. But maybe we should all learn from their confidence. Um, Yeah, just hype in the tour. As I say, we've got a show now, people. We've got a show. So go on Live Nation, Jeff Norcott. It's starting from September. I blame the parents. Uh, we got It just was fucking fun to push the boundaries. I'll give you an example. There's one routine that I've got, which I would argue was uh, on paper pro-trans, right? But there's something about the way that I said it that made it seem like I was saying something anti-trans, which is weird. And it both got a laugh and a, oh, <laughs> as well. And you have to understand in comedy that that is... That is what I'm aiming for every single time. So also, just a quick one. I'm on Instagram, if you haven't followed me there, and on YouTube. I'll be putting up another YouTube video soon. If, if you things are a bit tight your end and you can't afford the Patreon or the tour or the book or any of that stuff, simply click YouTube, subscribe, watch a few videos. That creates a bit of ad revenue. Okay, let's talk about Freedom Day and COVID passports. Freedom Day be upon us. We're going to be able to what? Yeah, I mean, for middle-aged people, it doesn't really change. We're going to be able to have groups of 15 people in a pub, and middle-aged people going, yeah, they, no, that's nice for you. I mean, you know, in the in the mid-90s, I might have been able to do that, but that's not going to happen. And then the government, uh, you know, at the time that this is happening, we are seeing a spike in infections, you know, not case numbers. Hospitalizations are starting to go up. Deaths are still very, very low. And people people are worried, right? They're worried that this is not the right time to do it. And you suspect that a lot of those people would never really think it was the right time to do it. But as my man Chris Whitty says, uh, he said there you know it's never gonna be a perfect day to to release all the restrictions, right? Because if you leave it too long, then you start to get back into autumn and we, we are then in the point of being living under restrictions for two fucking years. And I uh, look, if you're if you're very nervous about your health, you also have to understand that is a lot to ask. Um, of society so into that mix we've now got the debate of, you know the pa- vaccination passports which has been going on and remember as well right if you're if you're kind of like very pro lockdown and you know following the science remember when we were told that that was just a myth you know that was an anti-vax myth and yet we look across the british channel to uh, france and president Mac- macron he said that the the unvaccinated as he called them uh, they simply won't be able to do things. They're not. They're not going to bear the burden. Uh, the vaccinated people aren't going to bear the burden of the unvaccinated. And that is a massive... Doesn't that feel like a massive shout? I mean, if you're pro-vaccine and pro, even if you sort of quite like it, like the idea of vaccine passports, does that not put the willies up you a little bit? Does that not put even even a small England fan willy up you um, a little bit? Is that you know? Did we we were told we wouldn't get to this point, and and. All it will take, you know what it's like in the international community, because Macron's now said this, and it has uh, increased the amount of French people that have sought vaccinations. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing, Manu, Mr. Macron, is maybe you shouldn't have shat on the AstraZeneca just as part of a a kind of political spat with Britain. Maybe if you hadn't wanged on about very minor side effects, you might not have such an anti-vax population. And what I don't get as well, is, is people that are, and to my mind, legitimately worried about voter ID, you know, and the effect on people from uh, less sort of well-off backgrounds and also people from ethnic minority backgrounds. This is the same. This is going to have, like the stats were, uh, in England, in Britain rather, people over the age of 50 that haven't had the vaccination, I think is roughly 5%. Uh, from the South Asian uh, British community, 15%. And from black and African, it's 31%. So if you were to impose... Uh, restrictions on entry to venues pubs restaurants and stuff and this would be particularly acute in city centers you're not going to like how that looks i mean if you're anti-racist right and then you start to see a situation where for quite a long period of time there's you know there's two communities that aren't present in hospitality settings right or or way less present than usual i mean what's your argument to that how can you be anti-voter id right but also sort of nominally waving through vaccine passports it seems to me that they have you know i suppose you would say that you know not 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 voting um doesn't necessarily give people a disease and that is a fair point i must admit on the occasions where i didn't vote i I wasn't conscious of people uh contracting some sort of a virus right but i think we're gonna we got it's such a it's such a seal to break isn't it you break (laughs) (laughs) how <laughs> fucking childish I am. I could, this is why you work in comedy. Is I said Seal to break, and my mind immediately wanted to do an impression of the singer Seal. I can pay to a kiss from a sting on a rose. I can't, I can't remember. What's he up to these days, eh? He's with Heidi Klum, wasn't he? She, she fucks off as soon as that kiss from a rose money dried up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to know, if you are sort of pro-COVID passports, but anti-voter ID. How the fuck do you square that? Write in at what most people think UK at gmail.com. And just another thing I've got to say with Labour. You know, we're not mentioning Labour at the moment. They're just in a holding pattern, Labour. They're just not doing anything. I think they fucking furloughed themselves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Labour and so you're going right. So Labour once again broadly agree with most of what the government's doing. So what did Keir Starmer <laughs> Keir Starmer, You're not know, go go bleh. Uh, he he decided to own one side of the argument. And like, what like, what side of the argument is that, Jeff? Is it about kids being in schools or about, you know, not not having, pinging people so often? No, no, he's gone for ventilation. Yeah, he's decided to own that side of the debate. Keir Starmer's going, you know what? Labour are very clear, we are very clear that everywhere needs to be ventilated. <laughs> that's that's what he's got. That's what Keir Starmer's got. Open the bloody window. <laughs> He's kinda of like a sort of domestic Michael Kane. He he's just the geese's got nothing, doesn't it? And that, therein lies the problem. And I have this debate all the time with my friends. How the hell are the Tories still on 43%? Just look at Labour. Look at Labour. There's look look really hard. Because you know the Tories are incompetent, they fuck stuff up. But when you look at Labour, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Keir Starmer, he's your guy for ventilation. That doesn't really sound like a leader. just one letter today this was from um, this is from Ian Giblet I don't remember Ian Giblet before we've had a letter from Ian before but he he picked me up in a previous episode where I said we haven't been um, invaded for a thousand years and Ian has uh, picked me up on that and said uh, no actually Jeff there was the Battle of Fishguard what was this about 300 years ago seventeen hundred and ninety something and where the French attempted to the French, the fucking friend, they come over here, mate. Fucking tried to take us on, but they hadn't really got their ducks in a row. And it was a very poor fighting force that they sent. I'm just going to read this bit out there because I quite like the, the final stage of the battle was as follows. The French were down to about 700 deserters and convicts. Those who hadn't yet deserted were starting to mutiny or were just too drunk. That do sound like a, a bit like a group of England fans on Wembley Way. They still outnumbered the 300 British Welsh militia, though. I mean, this is this is very much a battle on a small scale, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? This is like you know, one of those Marvel films, but the TV version. Nonetheless, the two French officers came forward to discuss a conditional surrender. The leader of the British-Welsh militia bluffed and said his superior force would wipe out the French unless they surrendered unconditionally. The British gathered their troops on the beach to await the French answer. Meanwhile, locals dressed in traditional Welsh outfits appeared on the cliffs to see what was going on. They were mistaken by the French for British infantry, who also wore red tunics and large black hats, the, they promptly surrendered unconditionally. And that concluded the Battle of Fishguard and Britain's last invasion. See, that for me is pure, as as uh, Ian says himself, pure dad's army. I mean, like, just <laughs> it's in the mix. Are they going to surrender? Are they not? And then a few locals, basically, a few locals have gone, oh, what's going on here then? And they've seen the locals up there. They let okay, that's it, we surrender. We're outnumbered. <laughs> so I, I i rescind we haven't been invaded uh we haven't not been invaded for a thousand years but the last time we were invaded it did sound like something uh from a 70s sitcom okay just as we finish the show here a few reviews on itunes i know people leave reviews in lots of places these are the ones i can access this is from thorpe jd hey thorpe uh, I don't know why I said it like I have learning difficulties uh, in, I enjoyed the male health mockumentary edition what was on a mockumentary Uh, edition with Kenny Marmaduke de Quack I'll tell you that, that's a funny racist getting someone's name wrong but yeah bit of fun that glad you enjoyed it thank you for the review I read out all the five star ones this is from Sarah Sin thank heaven for Norcott that's all that is what I think to myself every night before I go to bed you know as I bang one out I just Give myself a good review. Uh, this is from T25 Man. A brilliant listen. Loads of left-leaning guests. I wish Jeff would stop having the token right-wingers on as they speak absolute sense. And I only tune in to have the woke lefties ideology pumped into my internal echo chamber. Keep up the good work, undercover comrade Norcott. Well, I just like a conversation. I grew up, my dad was a Labour, my mum was a Liberal, I was a secret nine-year-old Tory. I just, it makes sense to me. Uh, you know, to not sh- shut people out. Uh, great, was I just wanking myself off there for being a great guy? I was. Look, guys, I'll just speak to anyone, Me, I'll speak to anyone. And also, you know, it also depends on who's free. Uh, and this one, I think we read out the previous week. So that is it for this week. And I hope that the national debate does calm down soon. I hope that the, the racist pricks just going to kind of just go back to being sad, unhappy little man. I hope the guys with small dicks find a slightly warmer environment... <laughs> Oh my god, can you imagine those guys? Like, I've had some hangovers, man. You know, like blackout, drunk, sort of like, Jesus, what happened last night? I don't think I've ever had one that's resulted in me being dick shamed by 67 million people.